0: bibles would you turn with me to philippians chapter 4 verses 8 and 9 philippians chapter 4 verses 8 and 9 if you're wondering where philippians is it's in the new testament kind of in the middle of your new testament we're gonna be looking at verses 8 and 9 this morning and uh, if you don't have a bible can you share with your neighbor please if your neighbor doesn't have a bible share with your neighbor this morning Uh, we love to share with our uh, friends and our family members here Philippians 4, 8, and 9. How many of you guys know that we are doing this really special series here at Thrive? It's called The God and Me Experience. Everyone say, The Game. And uh, this series called The Game, or The God and Me Experience series, is all about one question. Which is, how do you experience more of God in your life? You see, here at Thrive Church, we absolutely believe that you were made to experience God. That God is not just somewhere out there, you're supposed to know him uh, on a distant intellectual level. But no, you were made to know God up close and personal. You were made to experience him. You were made to experience his hope, his love, his joy, his peace, his purpose for your life. If you believe that, say amen. And so this question that we're asking in this series is, how do you experience more of God in your life? Well, we've had an amazing time in this series. We're into week three of the series. Have you guys enjoyed the series so far? It's been a really good series for all of us here, and I've got a powerful message to share with you about experiencing more of God in your life. Let's start by looking at Philippians chapter 4, verses 8 and 9. Would you help me preach in this place? In fact, I'm going to take a drink of water as you guys read with me right now. Let's read in a big, loud voice. Help me preach in this place, and let's worship together right now. Let's say, finally, brothers. If anything is excellent or praiseworthy, think about such things. Whatever you've learned or received or heard from me or seen in me, put into practice and the God of peace will be with you. See, today we're talking about how to experience God's peace when you are battling troubling thoughts. How do you experience God's peace when you're battling troubling thoughts? Have you been having some troubling thoughts this past week? maybe without even knowing it, you know, without even telling anyone about it, you've got these thoughts of worry about the future. You've got some thoughts of fear regarding a certain situation, maybe regarding your health. Or the health of someone you love. Maybe you're battling certain, you know, th- thoughts of self-condemnation. Maybe even thinking yourself, oh, just beating yourself up of oh, why did I do that? Why did I say that? And just you know, thinking all these bad thoughts about yourself. Maybe you've had thoughts that uh, are about bitterness toward other people. You're just angry at someone for the way they saw- said something to you or did something to you, and these thoughts have just been troubling you this week. If that is you, then this message is going to be especially helpful for you this morning, because this morning we're talking about how do you experience God's peace when you have troubled thoughts, when you're battling troubled thoughts. How many of you guys know that Jesus came so that we could have peace? If you believe that, say amen. In fact, John 14, 27, Jesus says it this way. Read it with me in a loud voice. One, two, three, it says, peace I leave with you. My peace I give you. I do not give to you as the world gives. Do not let your hearts be troubled and do not be afraid. Wow, I like it when you guys read scripture this way. This is good. Tell a person you're reading well. It makes a difference. It actually helps me. It makes my job easier. Read with me in another, another, one more time. One, two, three, says, peace I leave with you. My peace I give you. I do not give to you as the world gives. Do not let your hearts be troubled and don't be afraid. See, what is Jesus saying? He's saying, I want to give you peace. And he says, I don't give like the world gives. How many of us know that the peace Jesus gives is completely different from the peace that the world offers? See, the peace that the world offers is like a temporary escape. It takes you away from your trouble, but just for a moment. You take that pill, you go on that vacation, you watch that video, you spend time with that person. And for a moment, you feel a little bit better. For a moment, you don't think about your stress. For a moment, you're taken away from your trouble. But then when all of that is gone, when the vacation ends, when the video stops, when the friends go away, when that pill loses its high, at the end of the day, you come back to your same situation and you are stressed all over again. That is the peace that the world offers. It is temporary. It doesn't last. But how many of us know that the peace that Jesus offers is not like that? See, the peace that Jesus offers is not based on your circumstances. Circumstances that change all the time the peace that jesus offers is based on him and he never changes amen It's a peace that is based not on your circumstances, but on a relationship with jesus That is the peace he gives and you're gonna find this I found this in my own personal experience is that whereas the peace that the world offers is always about taking you away From your trouble for a moment. I find that the peace jesus offers doesn't just take you away from your trouble It takes you through your trouble it takes you through your trouble so that you have peace to overcome that challenge. You have peace that overcomes your worry. You have peace that overcomes your fear. You have peace that gives you confidence to face tomorrow. You have peace that helps you make right decisions. If you believe that, say amen. And so if you want to experience the peace that Jesus offers, which is so different from the peace that the world offers, how do you do that? Well, I told you guys last week, and I'll say it again, is this, before you can experience the peace of God, you need to first make peace with God. What I mean by that is that the Bible says that all of us are enemies of God that we all did our own thing, went our own way, we all rebelled against God, we were all, from a certain perspective, we were enemies of God. But God didn't quit on us and say, forget, I want nothing to do with you. Instead, he said, because I love you, because I want a relationship with you, I'm not going to divorce you, but I'm going to send my son, Jesus Christ, to die on the cross for your sins, to be your sacrifice for your sins, so that you can be forgiven. And he's going to rise again to show that Jesus, my son, is no ordinary man, but he is who he claims to be he's the son of God and so on the third day Jesus rose again to show that neither sin nor death has any hold over him so that if anyone places their faith in Jesus they become forgiven they are righteous and acceptable in God's sight we become children of God amen give God a big big hand here in this place right now because that's what he does for you and for me it begins with making peace with God everyone say peace with God before we can experience The peace of God. You have to make peace with God. Have you made peace with God? Have you received Jesus into your life and said, "Jesus, forgive me my sins." If you haven't done that before, we want to give you an opportunity to do that later on today. Because before you can experience much peace of God, you first have to make peace with God. If you believe that, say Amen. But see, here's the thing: many of you guys know that uh, you know you might be a Christian today. You may be a Christian for years. Maybe gone to church for years, but you'll know this: is that you can be a Christian. You can be someone with Jesus in your heart. He's your Savior. But you will still go through times when you are stressed, amen? You will still go through times when you are troubled, amen? In fact, the Bible even says, Jesus even says, in this world, you will have trouble. And so, if you're a Christian today and you're going through some trouble, that is not a surprise, That is expected. Jesus promises that you will. He says, in this world, you will have trouble, but take heart, for I have overcome the world. And here's the thing. How do you experience more of God's peace when you are going through your day-to-day problems, day-to-day stuff that is troubling you? We're going to talk about that today. See, how many of us know that your relationship with God is a gift? Everyone say, a gift. You can't earn it. You can't work for it. It's simply a gift that God gives to you. But how many of us know that it is like a muscle that you work out? Amen? Amen. Amen. Look at this nice bicep right here. You see that right now? See that nice bicep? Okay. All right. See, if, if I did not work out this muscle, all right, if I didn't go to the gym, if I just kind of let it go and didn't put any pressure on it, what would this muscle look like? It wouldn't be, you know, very much of anything. It would be flabby, it would be flimsy, and you wouldn't see much power in that muscle. But when I start to put pressure on that muscle, when I start to work that muscle out, it gets stronger, it grows bigger, and you can see power in that muscle. If you believe that, say Amen. And the same way, your relationship with God works that way. Is that your relationship with God is given to you for free. You didn't make it up, but you need to work it out. Everyone say, work it out. Look at Philippians 2, 12 and 13 with me. What does it say? Read with me in loud voice. One, two, three. It says, therefore, my dear friends, as you've always obeyed, not only in my presence, but now much more in my absence, continue to work out your salvation with fear and trouble. Everyone say, work out. Move on to the next verse. What does it say? It says, for it is God who works in you to will and to act according to his good purpose. Go back to verse 12. What does it say? Is that you and I, we need to work out our salvation. That doesn't mean we have to work for our salvation. It doesn't mean we have to try to earn our salvation. But it means that we need to work out what God has freely given to us. If you believe that, say Amen. And as we work out what God has given to us, God works in us his will and his purposes for our lives. And that's why over the past couple weeks, this past week, today, I'm teaching you three workout exercises that will help you experience more of God's peace when you're under stress that will help you experience more of god's peace when you're battling thoughts that trouble you in the spirit of the olympics we've even called them the aeiou spiritual workout exercises all right. And you can even see the Olympic rings there. We put A E I O U in there. That, that's what I dream of doing to the Richmond Oval one day. Maybe put A E I O U right there. Maybe when we start meeting there. Amen. Amen. All right. Uh, but here's the thing is that we want to talk about three very practical workout exercises that will help you experience more of God's peace in your troubled times, in your stressful times. We call them the A-E-I-O-U spiritual workout exercises. We took look at a couple last week. The first one's called the sit-down. Everyone say the sit-down. What is the sit-down? How do you do the sit-down? Well, let me just demonstrate really quick. All right, everyone watch. Okay, everyone watch in case you missed this last week. Really, I know this is complicated, so what, look, at, look at me right now. Look at me right now. Okay, I'm doing the sit-down. Okay, ready? Ready? Here you go. Ready? It's very complicated, so just, just, just watch me. Ready? Ooh. Is that complicated? Okay, it's not complicated at all. But the fact is, it's, it's, I'm sitting down, but I'm not just sitting. What am I doing as I do the sit-down is I am spending time in God's presence, being still In his presence, giving God my worship, giving God my thanks, giving him my burdens. And when I do that, the Bible says, Psalm 42, 10 says, be still and know that I am God. When I take the time to sit down and be still in God's presence, whether it's for five minutes, 20 minutes, one hour, I find that is the most powerful thing that I can do in a day. In fact, I call the sit-down my power position. Because I find that when I sit down in God's presence, that's when I get my best ideas. When I sit down in God's presence, that's when I sense the presence of God in my life. When I sit down in God's presence, I get a, a, a better sense of what my situation is all about. When I still myself and sit down in God's presence, I find that I experience God's presence and power in my life. If you believe that, say amen. And that's what we have been encouraging us to do. That's the first one. It's called the sit-down. Everyone say the sit-down. The second one that we looked at is called the hope in. Everyone say the hope in. How do you do the hope in? This one's very simple as well. What do you do? You simply, no matter where you are, maybe you're having a stressful day. Maybe you just got out of an argument with your spouse. Maybe you're stuck in traffic and you're frustrated. Or maybe you're just worried, wherever you might be. You can simply say to the Lord, my hope is not in X. My hope is in you. And X is whatever it is that you are otherwise tempted to put your hope in. You know, if you are very tempted to put your hope in your appearance, the way you look in front of others, you can say, God, my hope is not in my appearance, in the way I look in front of other people, and what other people think of me, my hope is in you. Amen. Amen. You know, all of us, we, I think unless you are married to the very first person you ever dated, the fact is this, we all probably have an X. Amen. Right? We all have someone that we previously relied on, previously maybe put our hopes in, previously spent a lot of time with, previously depended on, but we don't anymore. They are our ex. Amen. And in the same way, when you do the hope and you're saying, you know what? My hope is no longer in that person. My hope is no longer in my own abilities, my own plan, but my hope is in Jesus. He's far more faithful. He's far more reliable. He's the one I rely on. Come on, give God a big, big hand here in this place right now. We're talking about doing the hope in. Amen. Come on, if you're going to give God a big hand, give him a big, big hand here at this place. Come on. Let's give him a shout as well. Come on. Amen. Everyone say the hoping. Turn to your neighbor and say, Jesus is so much better than my ex. Amen. Amen. And nothing against your ex. It's just that Jesus is just so much better. Amen. Amen. See, here's the thing. Today, I'm here to teach you not just the sit down and the hoping which I've heard many people starting to do here at our church and benefiting from it in great ways, today I want to share with you a third spiritual workout exercise that's going to help you in tremendous ways to experience God's peace when you're battling troubling thoughts. Are you guys ready? I said, are you guys ready? Yeah? You guys ready to hear the third exercise? Why don't you write this one down, take some good notes today. I call this exercise the store up. Everyone say the store up. Okay, well, let's look at the biblical basis for the store. What is the store? Well, let's look at Proverbs 10, 14. Read it with me a loud voice. 1, 2, 3, it says, Wise men store up knowledge, but the mouth of a fool invites ruin. Everyone say, store up. Look at Proverbs 2, verse 1. What does it say? It says, My child, accept my words and store up my commands within. Everyone say, store up. Proverbs 3, verse 1 and 2. Read it with me. 1, 2, 3. It says, my child, never forget the things I've taught you. Store my commands in your heart, for they will prolong your life many years and bring you prosperity. Everyone say, store up. Psalm 119, 11. What does it say? It says, I have hidden your word in my heart that I might not sin Against you see, what is the store up? How do you do the store up? See, here's how you do the store up. It's about spending time memorizing and reciting the word of God. See, when you are battling troubling thoughts, one of the best things you can possibly do is to memorize and recite God's word. Let me ask this. How much do you take time to store up? to recite and meditate on scripture, the word of God. In case you're not really sure, what's the benefit of memorizing scripture? Why bother memorizing scripture? Let me tell you four very, very important reasons why you should. Here are four benefits to memorizing scripture. Why don't you write them down, take some good notes today. What, what, number one is this, memorizing scripture helps you to develop mental and spiritual toughness. See, God, I believe, made you not to be this flimsy, fearful, feelings-based Christian, but he made you to be tough. He made you to be resilient. He made you to be strong. He made to be not easily shaken. If you believe it, say amen. And the greatest example of someone doing the store up in the Bible, do you know who it is? It's Jesus. Let's look at that right now. Matthew chapter 4, 1 to 11. Why don't you read me with a loud voice? 1, 2, 3. It says, Then Jesus was led by the Spirit into the desert to be tempted by the devil. After fasting 40 days and 40 nights, he was hungry. The tempter came to him and said, If you are the Son of God, tell these stones to become bread. Jesus answered, It is written, Man does not live on bread alone, but on every word that comes from the mouth of God. Then the devil took him to the holy city, had him stand on the highest point of the temple. If you are the Then the devil left him, and angels came and attended to him. What is going on here? See, this is a very famous passage in the Bible. People who have never been to church before, never read their Bible before, they may know something about this scene where Jesus, he's just been baptized. Jesus got baptized, and he's led by the Spirit into the desert where he is tempted three times by the devil. How many of us know that God doesn't tempt you, but Satan does? And in this case, Jesus is facing three temptations from the devil while he's fasting and praying for 40 days and 40 nights. Now, let me tell you this. Let me ask you this question. The book of Hebrews says Jesus was tempted in every way just as we are. When you look at the temptations that Jesus faces in Matthew chapter 4, can you relate to those temptations? For example, have you ever walked through a park and you look at a stone and go, oh, man, I'm so tempted to make that into bread? Has that ever happened to you before? Has that, has that ever been a, a real temptation for you? Not for me. So, so, so when, when Hebrews, the book of Hebrews says Jesus has been tempted in every way just as we are, what does it mean? Well, let me tell you this the three temptations that Jesus went through in the desert are three temptations that you and I go through every single day. And let me put it in the form of a question. See, the first temptation that Jesus went through is where Satan tempts Jesus to turn stone into bread. What is that temptation? That's the question of your power source. Everyone say power source. In in other words, it's about whose power are you going to live on today? Are you going to live on your own power and your own understanding and your own way of figuring things out? Or are you going to rely on God's power and God's word to work things out? See, if you are tempted today to do things your way and not God's way, you're like, yeah, I know God's word says I should tithe, but, you know, I've got bills to pay, man. I've got some stuff that I want to do. I'm going to do things my way, not God's way. That is you being tempted in the area of your power source. If you're, you know, today knowing that, oh, yeah, I know God wants me to forgive that person who hurt me, who said those things to me me but you're like no no i want to hang on to that grudge what is that you are tempted to hang on to yourself as that power source every single day you have to ask yourself the question what is going to be my power source is it going to be myself or is it going to be god is it going to be god's word or is it going to be my own understanding that's the first temptation what's the second temptation when jesus is tempted the second time what goes on is that satan he tells him to go up to the highest point of the temple he says hey jesus if you're the son of god why don't you throw yourself down from the temple just fall right now, and maybe the, 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 the angels will catch you. And, and see, Jesus, he doesn't do it. And why is it? Because the, the, the temptation there is, what is that? That is the question of stewardship. Everyone say stewardship. It's about what will you do with what God has given to you? Will you cherish the time, the talents, The opportunities, the body that God has given to you, or will you just throw it away? Will you, you know, will you use the stuff that you've been given, or will you just kind of waste it away? That is the second temptation. And so if you're here today, and you're tempted to be lazy and irresponsible or unfaithful or, you know, not, you know, fulfilling your word or not keeping your promises, then guess what? You are going through the second temptation that Jesus went through. It's a question of stewardship. There's a third temptation, is that Satan says to Jesus, hey, Jesus. If you will bow down and worship me, I will give you all the kingdoms of this world. I will give you all the power in this world. All the glory will be yours. And see, Jesus, he came to this earth not to glorify himself, but to glorify his Father. And so this was a big temptation. And what is the temptation? It's the question of worship. Everyone say, Worship. It's whose glory? Am I going to live for today? Am I just going to live for my own glory, my own happiness, my own comfort, my own fame, my own name? Or am I going to live for someone who's bigger than me? Am I going to live for God's glory? And so if you're in this place today and you're tempted to just kind of live for your own happiness, live for your own comfort, live for your own convenience, live for your own self, your dreams, it's all about you, 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 me, 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 then guess what? You are right now in the thick of a third temptation, which is a question of worship. How many of us know you were made to worship Jesus, amen? Amen. And when you worship Jesus, that's when you experience peace. And you're going to find this. Those three temptations Jesus went to are three questions. Power source, stewardship, and worship. And how you answer these three questions each day is going to determine not just how effective you are. It's also going to determine how much peace you have if you believe that, say amen. And I want you to notice one more thing. Notice that each time Satan tempts Jesus, how does Jesus respond? He responds to a troubling thought from Satan, with the word of God that is stored up in his heart. The first time he's tempted by Satan, hey Jesus, turns some stone to bread, he says, it is written. Everyone say, it is written. It is written. Man shall not live on bread alone, but on every word that comes from the mouth of God. He's quoting scripture. Second time, you know, Satan comes and says, hey why don't you throw yourself down if you're, th- if you're the son of God? And how does Jesus respond? He says, it is written. Do not put the Lord your God to the test. And the third time, he's like, hey, Satan says to Jesus, hey, Jesus, why don't you bow down and worship me? I'll give you all the power that you will ever want in your life. And Jesus says, it is written worship the Lord and serve him only see what's going on each time Jesus is tempted he fights back with the word of God that's already stored up in him Jesus is not like oh I'm being tempted oh let me just look through and fumble through my Bible right now see if there's anything that I've never seen before that's going to help me right now no, no no he has already God's word stored up in his heart and so when the temptation comes it's like he's pulling a sword out of his sheath he's pulling God's word out of his heart going Shh, I'm ready for this I'm not going to let you get me Satan amen Hello, amen. And see, that's what's going on, is that if you want to be mentally and spiritually tough, where you're not easily given to temptation, you're not easily defeated, you don't give up easily, if you want to be that kind of follower of Jesus, then you need to learn to do the store-up, to store God's word in your heart. In fact, that's not the only time that Jesus quotes scripture. In fact, if you look at the book of Matthew, and you keep on reading, you're going to find that there's 28 chapters in Matthew. And how many times does Jesus quote scripture in the face of a troubling thought? Do you know how many times? Let me just put it this way. In 28 chapters of Matthew, he quotes scripture over 20 times in 20 different chapters. In other words, Jesus, he is constantly quoting scripture that he has in his heart. And what's the lesson here? Is that when you are battling thoughts that trouble you, stress, worry, fear, grudges bitterness one of the best things that you can do one of the most effective ways you could experience the peace of God in the midst of your stress is to store up the word of God in your heart if you believe that say amen you guys are really quiet today I said if you believe that say amen amen you guys are spectators or are you guys participants this morning amen you guys want to help me out and preach help me preach in this place this morning amen amen all right so here if, you're, if, if, if this is helpful for you say amen Amen. I believe this is super helpful for you. So I want you to write this down. God's word is your weapon against troubling thoughts. God's word is your weapon against troubling thoughts. See, if you will memorize God's word and store it up in your heart, you have a weapon against the troubling thoughts that you experience wherever you go. It's no wonder that when you read the book of Ephesians, the book of Ephesians describes the word of God as the sword of the Spirit. It's a sword. It's a weapon. It's an offensive weapon against spiritual warfare, against troubling thoughts that bother your mind that are not from God. It is your weapon. And if you know how to use this weapon, that means that whenever you are troubled by thoughts, just like Jesus, you can say, it is written, I am the righteousness of God, and so you can't come at me with accusing thoughts. If, if, if you have, find Satan is, is accusing you of, of all sorts of stuff, you can go, it is written. Shoo! I'm a child of God, and, and, and I'm a more than a conqueror, and nothing can separate me from his love. Amen. Amen. It's about using God's word as your weapon. Turn to your neighbor and say, you have a weapon. Amen. That's, that's, first, that's the first benefit of memorizing scripture. It makes you spiritually tough. Turn to your neighbor and say, you look spiritually tough amen 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 praise god we got a tough church in this place got a tough crowd in this place amen number two memorizing scripture rewires your mind to think positively and with faith see when you do the store up when you take the time to memorize and recite god's word guess what's going to happen you're going to be less prone to just relying on your feelings less prone to just you know being a fearful feelings-based kind of christian I i remember back in my first year of law school I was studying in Toronto. I was living by myself in a school dorm, and once I saw a movie, and uh, it, was, it wasn't like a crazy, crazy movie. It was like PG-13. Uh, it was a science fiction drama, and I remember I was watching the movie, and all of a sudden, on the screen, there was a scene that was really disturbing to me. Um, it didn't, didn't, I don't know if it scared anyone else, but it, it really kind of scared me. Just the way that it was edited, the way that they kind of did it, the way they directed it, it just—it scared me. Have you, have you ever seen a movie that actually re- authentically scared you? I, I was scared of that movie scene. And I, I went home that night, and I had a tough time falling asleep. I kept thinking about that movie scene, and I, I, I had the lights on. I just didn't want to go to sleep. And uh, after a whole night of just not being able to sleep very well, finally about you know, 2, 3 o'clock in the morning, I get out my Bible. And I just remember vaguely that there was a verse that I remember hearing about, you know, the Lord is my light and my salvation, whom shall I fear? And grabbed my Bible and started looking in the Psalms, and and I found it in Psalm 27. Look at Psalm 27, 1 to 3 with me. Read it with me loud voice. 1, 2, 3. It says, the Lord is my light and my salvation. Whom shall I fear? The Lord is the stronghold of my life. Of whom shall I be afraid? When evil men advance against me to devour my flesh, when my enemies and my foes attack me, they will stumble and fall. Though an army besiege me, my heart will not fear. Though war break out against me, even then will I be confident. See, what is it talking about? It's talking about because I have God in my life, because the Lord is my light and my salvation, I don't need to be afraid. And so for some reason, in the middle of the night, I just decided to memorize that verse. And any time that, that scene that scared me would come into my mind, I would just say, the Lord is my light and my salvation. Whom shall I fear? The Lord is the stronghold of my life. Of whom shall I be afraid? And I just memorized that verse and recited. And it was amazing because over time, every time I recited that verse, I would experience God's peace. And eventually, I slept like a baby for the rest of the night. And see, that may be such a small thing. It's just just a movie, but this is what I found. As time went on, whenever I faced even scarier situations, when there was a health crisis in my family, when there was uncertainty in my future, when there was maybe some stuff that I didn't want to deal with or a problem I didn't know how to solve, and I didn't know what to do, I could recite Psalm 27 and say, the Lord is my light and my salvation. Whom shall I fear? The Lord is the stronghold of my life. Of whom shall I be afraid? When evil men advance against me, you know, when, when enemies and foes attack me, they will stumble and fall. Though they'll, they'll, know, they'll, 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 they'll an arm besiege me, you know, I, even then will I be confident. You know, all, all these things, I could memorize it, and when I would, I'd experience the peace of God in my life. And I could go with a can-do attitude into whatever challenge that I was facing. If you believe that, say amen. And you know, around that same time, I remember whenever I came across a Bible verse or a passage in the Bible that spoke to me, I tried to memorize it, and uh, you know, I-, I like to use Microsoft Word. And, and I, I just would, I would, what I'd do is I'd, I'd, try to, I'd read it over and over that verse until it became more natural to me. And then finally, I'd, just, I'd kind of type it out on my, on my computer. I'd print it out on a piece of paper. I'd stick it to my wall. And eventually, I had like, you know, just a lot of these different little posters of God's Word. They didn't look great, but it was just there for me. Whenever I'd be lying in bed, I'd be looking at these passages from Scripture. And what I was doing, I wasn't just decorating my home, I was covering my heart. Amen. I was starting to store up the word of God in my heart so that in challenging times, I have something to draw from to help me experience and access the peace of God. And see, whenever I'd face a challenge, instead of the first thing being a worry or a thought that's fearful or a complaint, instead, you know, more and more, the first thing that would come to mind was a promise from God's word. Like, you know, my grace is sufficient for you. Or I can do all things through Christ who strengthens me. Or, you know, Psalm 18, which is my, one of my favorite passages, because you know, as for God, his way is perfect. The word of the Lord is flawless. Who is, the, who is God besides the Lord? Who is the rock except our God? It is God who arms me with strength and makes my way perfect. You know, he makes my feet like the feet of a deer. He enables me to stand on the heights. When I, when I would speak these words from Scripture out, I would look at my situation and go, ha, huh, we can do this, amen? Amen. It's because when you memorize scripture, it starts to rewire your mind to think positively and with faith. You know, this morning it was snowing and, you know, there was a whole patch of snow in front of us and I was looking on the road in front of our front door and, and there's this one very deep track as if, you know, car after car after car was going on that same track. How many us know that your brain works in a very similar way? Is that when you're responding to fearful situations by panicking, By worrying, by complaining, by giving up, by blaming others. It creates a path in your brain. It's a neurosynapse where it just gets deeper and deeper embedded into your brain, and it becomes the way that you live. But how many of us know that when you have the word of God and you start to store it up in your heart, you can create a new path. You can create a new path by which you will now behave in different ways when you face challenging times. If you believe that, say amen. Could it be? that the reason why you are so fearful this past week, could it be that the reason why you're so frustrated this past week, could it be that the reason why you're so worried this past week or so angry this past week is because you have not yet stored up God's word enough in your heart. Look at Psalm 119.49 with me right now. What does it say? 1, 2, 3, it says, Never forget your promises to me, your servant, for they are my only hope. They give me strength in all my troubles, how they refresh and revive me. Go, don't you love the word of God? Amen? It strengthens us, it revives us, it refreshes us, and it helps us in all of our troubles. Look at Jeremiah 15, 16. What does it say? It says, Your words are what sustain me. They are food to my hungry soul. They bring joy to my sorrowing heart and delight me. How proud I am to bear your name, O Lord. Is that you know your the, God's words, when you store them in your heart, you have a way to find comfort in your grief when you're hurting. See, if you want to be spiritually tough, mentally tough, if you want to have a positive outlook on life. Have more hope in your heart. Then a huge, importantly, thing, important thing—a hugely important thing—you need to do is to store up the Word of God in your heart. If you believe that, say Amen. Turn to your neighbor and say, "I need to store up God's Word." Amen. Amen. Number three, memorizing Scripture will help you have better insight into your situation. See, when you start to store up God's Word in your heart, it helps you to see your situation more clearly. You know, this morning I had snow all over my windshield and I couldn't see a thing. So what I had to do, I went to my garage, I, I grabbed a scraper, and all of a sudden I'm now... And I'm just scraping all the snow and ice off my windshield so that finally I could see something. And how many of us know that the word of God has the same effect on your life? Is that you might be clouded by worry today. You might be clouded by fear today. You might have all this icy, you know, bitterness in your life that is clouding your vision. But when you get the word of God stored up in your heart, when you start to store up, memorize, and recite God's word, it starts to, it starts to clear the air. It starts to clear your windshield so you can see more easily. You start to identify when you're being tempted. You start to be able to resist temptation. You, 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 you can have comfort in your grief. You can make wiser decisions because you see more clearly. It strengthens you when you're stressed or afraid. Look at Psalm 119 verse 98 with me. What does it say? 1, two, 3, It says, your commands are always with me and make me wiser than my enemies. When God's commands, when his word is always with you, when it's stored up in your heart everyone says stored up when it's stored up in your heart you become wise you know, once I was sitting across the table from someone and let me ask you if you can relate to this is that that person across the table said something to me that made me feel a little rejected feeling you know you're not good enough you're not worthy and I didn't think so much so much about it at that time but as I went through the day I started to become more and more bothered by that comment and it was one of those things where I don't think that person tried to hurt me in any kind of way. In fact, they actually called later on and said, hey, I'm so sorry, um, like, uh, if in c- just in case like, what I said uh, you know, bothered you or anything like that, I just wanted to apologize. Um, and, and, it, and so I was like, yeah, no, no worries, don't, but don't worry at all. But then even after that, throughout the day, I kept thinking about this comment. And it was one of those things where with that comment deposited in my heart has this ever happened to you, where you start to think about other comments that other people have made in the past, times when you felt rejected in any kind of way? Someone said something, someone did something, and all of a sudden that one comment becomes a magnet for other comments and other memories. Has that ever happened to you before? That was happening to me on that day, and I started to battle. I start to battle with these very troubling thoughts of self-condemnation. You know, in one moment I'd be angry at you know other people for saying or doing certain things. In another moment I'd be angry at myself. You know, in another moment I'd be beating myself up and going. Oh, I'm so, you know, woe's me. Well, how could I? oh and I'm just all this stuff? And, and and here's the thing: has that ever happened to you before? What do you do when that kind of thing happens? When you start having all these self-condemning, troubling, accusing thoughts in your mind that you don't even tell anyone about. You know, that afternoon I decided to do something about it. I decided to do the, the two things that we learned last week. I decided to do the sit-down. I went to uh, back home and I sat on the carpet and I just started to give my burdens to God started to say, God, this is what happens. Pour my heart to him. Worship. Thanked him. Just spent spent time being still in his presence. And that very much helped. You know, uh, I started doing the hope. And I said, God, my hope is not in that person. My hope is in you. My hope is not in what that person said. My hope is in you. My hope is not in how people treat me. My hope is in you. Amen. Amen. And that definitely helped as well. But there's one more thing that really helped. And it was after I did the sit-down. It was after I did the hoping. That all of a sudden, I'm, I'm walking down the street. And I, and, I, and I remember a verse that I had stored up in my heart many, many years ago. And it's Ephesians six twelve. 12. Why don't you read Ephesians 6, 12 with me right now? Read it with me in a loud voice. 1, 2, 3, it says, For our struggle is not against flesh and blood, but against the rulers, against the authorities, against the powers of this dark world, and against the spiritual forces of evil in the heavenly realms see what is it saying it's saying that whether you know it or not whether you see it or not there's actually a spiritual battle going on in your life on one hand you've got god who loves you jesus says i have come that you may have life and have it to the full that is god's agenda for your life on the other hand you have satan who's called a thief and a liar who says all he's here to do is to kill steal and destroy your life you've got these two warring parties warring for your life and, and you know, here in Ephesians 6, 12, it says, For our struggle is not against flesh and blood, but against the rulers, against the authorities, against the powers of this dark world, against the spiritual forces of evil in the heavenly realms. In other words, you have an enemy, and it's not a human being. It is Satan who wants to kill, steal, and destroy your life. And one of Satan's favorite weapons against you is rejection. Times when you've been rejected in the past. When someone said something that, re- that, that made you feel rejected, when someone did something that made you feel rejected, Satan loves to throw that back in your face and go, remember that time? Remember what that person did? Remember what that person said? You are so worthless. You are so unworthy. You were not good enough for that person. And as a result, you feel awful, and you're battling these thoughts. And, you know, when I saw Ephesians six twelve and it says, our struggle is not against flesh and blood, but against these spiritual powers, then I realized something, which is that my enemy was not that person who said those words. My enemy was Satan. And as a result... I shouldn't, rather than focusing so much attention on that person, I'm going to be directing my attention at the one who's really the source of all this. And so at the, at, at, that, at the end of that, I said, in Jesus' name, Satan, get away from me. And when that happened, you know, all of a sudden, I could experience a lot more of God's peace. It's because I started to identify that my true enemy here wasn't that person who said those things. It was the enemy who's out to kill, steal, and destroy my life. If you believe that, say Amen. And all of a sudden, I didn't have to be so mad at that person. All of a sudden, I could forgive that person and move on with my life. It's because God's word, when you store it up in your heart, gives you insight into your situation. Amen. Amen. All of a sudden, the ice was coming off. All of a sudden, the snow was being scraped off so I could see more clearly. Man, how many, how many crimes, tragedies, you know, heartbreaks, harassments could be avoided if we just did the store up a little bit more? How many marriages would be healed if we did the store up a little bit more? How many families would be happier and healthier if we did the store up a little bit more? If you believe that, say amen. Has this been helpful for you in this place this morning? One more, and we're going to finish today. Memorizing scripture does one more thing for your life. It enables you to hear more from the Holy Spirit. You know, if you've been someone, if you're someone who's ever had trouble hearing from God, or had questions about how do, how do I know when God is talking to me? or trouble hearing the voice of God, then this is very, very important for you listen up to this really carefully. See, when you memorize scripture, what happens is you become better able to hear when the Holy Spirit is talking to you. And why is that? What does memorizing scripture have anything to do with hearing God's voice? It's because scripture is the language of the Holy Spirit. Let me explain it this way. About, what, 16 years ago, I had a very, very important conversation with someone who's very, very important to me. In fact, uh, she's here right now. She's my mother-in-law. And, uh, and I remember 16 years ago, I was sitting in the plane with her beside me, and we were having a very important conversation. You know why it was so important? It was a conversation where I was going to ask her and my future father-in-law for their blessing to ask Pastor Charlene for her hand marriage. I was going to propose. And it was a, I was nervous. I remember we were both sitting... Ma, you remember this, right? And so we, you know, we're we're sitting in, in in these two seats in the plane, and and I start saying, you know, um, you know, uh, Mrs. Way, um, you know, you know that Charlene and I we've been dating now for a couple years, and uh, she's a wonderful girl. You've done a great job, you know, um, and uh, I just want to say that I would be honored if I could have your blessing and uh, Dr. Way's blessing uh, for me to go out and ask her to marry me, and uh, you know. My mother-in-law, you know, she's one of the most gentle people I know and most loving people I know. She had a big smile on her face. And uh, she started to st- talk in Mandarin, in very fast Mandarin. And I couldn't understand a word because I don't speak any Mandarin. And during that time, I'm just nodding and smiling and, and hoping that all this is good things that she's saying. And, 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 and she's continued to talk. And after a while, I realized I don't understand a word she's saying right now. And uh, on that day, she was saying all these things, and I was listening but I wasn't hearing anything. And it was only after we got married, when praise God, I enrolled in a Mandarin school, all right, started getting a Mandarin tutor, started speaking more Mandarin at home and in the workplace, in church. And all of a sudden, as I had more Mandarin stored up in me, more of my mother-in-law's language stored up in me, I was now able to hear and understand when my mother-in-law was talking to me, amen. And now why do I mention that? It's because the Holy Spirit's language is scripture. The Holy Spirit uses Scripture, the Word of God, stored up in your heart to speak to you. Could it be that the reason why you don't hear much of God's voice and the reason why you don't hear much of God speaking to you is simply because you have not got much of God's Word in your heart stored up there so that when God is speaking to you, you don't even notice, you don't even register, there's no software to download what heaven is speaking to you. Amen. There's no software to process the data that's coming from the Holy Spirit to you. And so you're just like, oh, what, 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 what happened? And see, here's the thing. Look at, look, at, look at John 16, 13, and 14 with me right now. Read with me in loud voice. One, two, three, it says, but when he, the spirit of truth comes, he will guide you into all truth he will bring glory to me by taking from what is mine and making it known to you praise god now i speak some mandarin uh and now you know we can have i have conversations with my mother-in-law can you give my mother-in-law a big big hand this place right now give uh (laughs) ma yeah love you lots praise god and uh you know here's the thing is that when you have the word of god stored up in your heart you've got software to process to download what god is saying to you and you know several years ago i received a a very threatening letter in fact i shared this with uh, many of you last week where our church was about three four years old at the time and uh someone sent a letter to me and to some other people and uh it was a very threatening letter uh and some people were scared i took that letter and i shared with you guys last week how you know before i even opened the letter i went home and I, i laid it before god and i did the hoping i said god I don't know what is in this envelope, but I know that whatever it is, you are greater than it. That you are greater than whatever is said in this envelope. Amen. Amen. And, and so I, I said, I did the hoping. I, I opened up the letter. I, I read it. It said a bunch of threatening things, not nice things. And, um, you know, whereas maybe my heart would otherwise want to be worried or scared or anything like that. On that day, when I did the hoping, it was like, you know what? This is nothing compared to who my God is. And so we don't have, we're not going to worry about this. But there's one more thing that I did, or more accurately, one thing that the Holy Spirit did in my life that helped me so much during that time. After I opened up that letter, after I did the hope, and I said, God, my hope is not in this letter. My hope is in you. My hope is not in what this person says. My hope is in you. After I did that, one day, I'm going for a run. And I sense the Holy Spirit speak to my heart and say, you will walk through the fire and not be burned. You will walk through the fire and not be burned. I was like, where does that come from? And all of a sudden, I realized it. A Long time ago, I, I stored up in my heart this verse from Isaiah 43, verse 2. Can you just read it with me right now? Isaiah 43, verse 2. What does it say? Read with me in loud voice. One, two, three. It says, when you pass through the waters, I will be with you. And when you pass through the rivers, they will not sweep over you. When you walk through the fire, you will not be burned. The flames will not set you ablaze. And I realized that what was going on was that the Holy Spirit was using the language of scripture to speak to my heart. And because I had that scripture stored up in me, I was able to notice when the Holy Spirit was speaking to me. If you believe that, say amen. And once I got that, once I received that word, you will go through the fire and not be burned. Guess what? We went through the fire and we were not burned. Amen. Amen. And we went through that season without any kind of worry, without any kind of problem. And praise God, nothing that letters threatened materialized. We continued to serve God. We couldn't just see people come to know Jesus. God continued to expand his territory here at Thrive Church. And we believe the best is yet to come. If you believe that, give God a big, big hand here at this place right now. Give him a big shout in this place right now. Come on. Amen. Amen. And see, those words from Isaiah 43, verse 2 sustain me through that tough time but if it hadn't been for that time years before where I did the store up and I stored up those words in my heart I would have not noticed when God was speaking to me could it be that the reason why you don't notice when God is speaking to you is because you don't you haven't haven't stored anything in your heart yet is that there's a whole bunch of stuff that God is actually talking to you about right now but you're not perceiving it because you have not taken the time to store it up in your heart. But when you start to store it up, when you start to memorize God's word, when you start to get God's word in your heart, recite God's word, what's going to happen is that there's all of a sudden an ability to hear when Holy Spirit is speaking to you, a sensitivity to his presence, a sensitivity to what he may be saying, a sensitivity to what heaven, to heaven's messages to you. And all of a sudden, you're able to teach others. All of a sudden, you're able to move with clarity and conviction, all because you did the store up and you stored up God's word in your heart. Come on, give God a big, big hand here in this place right now. Turn to your neighbor and say, I need to do the store up. When you do the store up, when you memorize God's word, you're going to find your relationship with God deepens. Your prayer life deepens. You don't pray as superficial prayers anymore, but you pray prayers that have substance because you have the word of God stored up in you. If you believe that, say amen. And yet, when should you memorize scripture? See, we looked at four very important, they're not all of them, but four of the most important benefits of memorizing scripture. When should you memorize scripture? Let's get really practical right now. When should you memorize scripture? Anywhere you can. Anywhere you can. While you're waiting in line in the grocery store, while you're waiting on the SkyTrain or the bus, when you're waiting at some office because you've got an appointment, memorize scripture anywhere you can. Memorize it during your time with God when you're reading the Bible, doing your game time. Memorize it in the car. Remember when I was studying at UBC? I would drive to, to school, and, um, you know, back then, parking passes were not nearly as expensive as they are now, um, and, you know, I had a parking pass to, to Rose Garden Parkade. I remember I'd be, I'd, be, I'd be, you know, driving down Fourth Avenue, and I would have a Bible in my passenger seat to flip to whatever verse I wanted to memorize, and I'm driving at a stoplight. i go, oh, okay, all right. If, it was doing, if I did it now, I'd be pulled over for distracted driving, that's for sure, but back then, I was just doing whatever I could, anything I could to memorize God's word. Everyone say, whenever you can. Anywhere you can. You know, I remember, you know, during that time when we received that threatening letter and I got that verse, you know, from Isaiah 43. It talks about, you know, you will walk through the fire and not be burned. You know what I did? I went back to my law school days and I, 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 I memorized that verse. I, I, I put it into Word. I, I, I printed it out and I, I taped it to the, the back or the, or the outside of my shower. And so while I'm taking a shower, while there's shampoo in my hair, I'm reading, uh, you know, Isaiah, and I'm, I'm trying to get in my heart. You will walk through the fire and not be burned. You will walk through the fire and be burned. It's about doing it anywhere you can. I would say anywhere you can. Anywhere you can. Praise God. Here's a question for you. How often do you store up God's word in your heart? How often do you spend time memorizing and reciting God's word? See, I, I really believe this. This is so important. Is that it is important not just to store up God's word when you're stressed, or when you're scared or when you're under pressure, but it's even more important to store it up when times are all right, when things are a bit more relaxed, when there isn't as much pressure. It's, it's because what you're doing is you're storing it up, saving it for later when you need it, amen, amen. You know, when, when you're in the, in the midst of temptation, when you are fighting in a heated battle, you don't have time all the time to be looking. Go, oh, let me find some topical, you know, verse that can help me right now. Oh, let, let me see. Is there anything here? Let me look in the concordance. You don't really have that much time when you say, say you're, 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 you know, you you have these tempting, you know, lustful thoughts for someone uh, who you're not married to, and and you're just like you're, you're, you're tempted to do something you shouldn't do. You 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 don't have time in the in in the heat of that moment. Maybe it's your girlfriend. Maybe it's someone else. You don't have time in the heat of the moment. To, oh, what what? Let me search Google right now to see if there's any verse from the bible that can help me right you don't have time it is in the heat of battle what you need to do is whether you like it or not all you can do is use whatever amount of god's word is already stored up in your heart amen and if it's little or nothing then you'll have little or nothing to work with but if there's a lot then 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 you can use it all you need at that moment is four words four words from 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 first Thessalonians: flee from sexual immorality right that's all you need those four words or just or just one word flee all right Okay. Oh, all right. Okay. I'm gone. I'm gone. I'm gone. I'm fleeing. I'm fleeing. I'm fleeing. See, what, what is that? That, that? That's all you need. That's all you need. That's all you need. But see, that's the thing, is that you want to store it up during those times when you're not as much in pressure. So that's why I'm here to tell you, those of you in college, if you have a reading break right now, this is a perfect time to be memorizing scripture. Amen. This is a perfect time to, being, to doing the store-up. It's because when you need Scripture the most is when you are under pressure. But when you need to memorize Scripture the most is when you're not. Amen. Look at Proverbs 30, verse 25. Look at what it says. It says, ants are creatures of little strength, yet they store up their food in the summer. Is that you want to store up God's Word in those times when it's not an emergency, so that when the emergency happens, you're like... Shoo, This is the reason I memorize verses in the shower. Or this is the reason why I spent all that time memorizing John 3 on the skytrain. It's because you're doing it at times of no pressure when so so you can battle under pressure if you believe that say amen. Does that make sense? Amen. Amen. Why don't you write this down? Memorizing scripture is short-term gain. Sorry, short-term pain, long-term gain. Short-term pain. Long-term gains. See, like any exercise in the gym, whether it's squats, whether it's curls, whether it's running on a treadmill, the fact is this: no exercise feels great in the gym while you do it. All right. If if you enjoy exercising that way, there's something wrong with you. All right. But the fact is this, is that it doesn't feel great as you're doing it, but after you do it, you feel so much better. In the same way, that's how the store up works, is that at at first, it's a little bit tough. At first, you're like, okay, I'm, I'm working at it, I'm working at it, it's not that easy, but I'm working at it, and it's not exactly that comfortable, but later on, you'll be so glad you did it, because now you have God's word stored up in your heart, and you're ready for anything that the enemy throws at you. If you believe that, say amen. Now, some of you got probably some excuses that you're giving yourself right now. Let me address a couple of them. See, you you might say, oh, JB, I know, yeah, memorizing scripture is helpful, but I've got a bad memory. You know, I'm not good at memorizing. Or I'm too old to memorize. Or I'm too young to memorize. Or I'm too busy to memorize God's word. Or I'm just not good at memorizing. Let me tell you this. Listen to me right now. As a matter of pure survival... You and I, we memorize what is important to us. Amen? Amen? For example, let me ask you, what is your phone number? Can you tell me your phone number? You don't have to tell me right now. You don't have to tell, tell it out loud. I'm not, I'm not picking you up or anything like that. But here's the thing what, what's your phone number? You know your phone number, and it's simply because a matter of survival. D- is it because your phone number is so easy to memorize? That's why you know it? Is it because your phone number is just a naturally, easily memorable thing? No, it's not. It's for survival. If you believe us, say amen. Or your address. What's your address? You know your address, and do I know your address? Probably not. But here's the thing. Why is it that you know your address and I don't? It's because your address is important to your survival. Amen. And 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 here's the thing. Is like for for example, married guys in this place. What's your wedding anniversary? All right. You need to know that for your survival. All right. That's important. Amen. And all the and all the married women in this place said, "Amen. Amen. 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 See, this is the thing. Is that We memorize what is important to us. And if you don't memorize the word of God, but you know the lyrics to the latest Drake song, what does that say about the importance of God's word to you? What does that say about how important God's word is to you? The fact is, we memorize what's important to us. Amen. And let me tell you this, even more than your phone, even more than your address, even more than some song by Drake, your Bible is what you need for survival. Amen. Amen. The word of God is what you need to survive and to thrive and to arrive. If you believe that, say amen and give God a big, big hand here in this place right now. Come on. Amen. Amen. Here's another excuse that some people make. Oh, JB, I don't need to memorize God's word because, hey, I have it here. It's in my phone. Hey, I I can just look it up, it's really easy. I got Bible Gateway, I got YouVersion Bible, I got all these different search engines, I can just easily look it up. It's just easy. Why do I have to memorize it here when I've got it here? Let me tell you this right now. Let me tell you, listen very carefully. Just because you have God's word in your phone doesn't mean you have God's word in your heart. Amen. Just because you have God's word in your phone doesn't mean you have God's word in your heart. In fact, I could probably tell you a bunch of verses that you need to have in your heart, but you don't, but you have in your phone. And as a result, you are lacking a great deal of peace today. See, here's the thing. Just because you have it on a device doesn't mean that you're good. The fact is this. Unless it's in your heart, it makes no difference. Amen. Unless it's in your heart, it doesn't matter if you have every translation, Hebrew, Greek, you know, Aramaic, Chinese, you know, Spanish, every single language. It doesn't matter if you have it in your phone if you don't have it in your heart. Because what God wants you to have it is in your heart. If you believe that, say amen. Proverbs 7, 1 to 3 says it this way. Read with a loud voice. 1, 2, 3, it says, my son, keep my words and store up my commands within you. Keep my teaching, keep my commands, and you will live. Guard my teachings as the apple of your eye. Bind them on your fingers. Write them on the tablet of your heart. Go back. Go back to verse one. You guys are doing a good job of reading scripture. Read with me one last time. One more time. One, two. It says, "My son, keep my words and store up my commands within you. Keep going. Keep my commands, and you will live. Guard my teachings as the apple of your eye. Everyone, say, "Apple of your eye." Keep on going. Verse three, bind them on your fingers, write them on the tablet of your heart. You know, since verse two mentions Apple, and since verse three mentions tablets, let me tell you this the most expensive, the most powerful, the most precious, and the most important tablet that you have is not your iPad, it's not your Samsung Galaxy tab, it's not your Microsoft Surface, it's the tablet of your heart. Amen. Amen. It's the tablet of your heart. The most expensive, most powerful, most precious, most important tablet where you need to store the Word of God is not any device technologically that you have. It's the tablet of your heart. In fact, you can have have no device but if you have the tablet of your word, your heart and it's got the word of God stored up in it, you will not be defeated. You will be unstoppable because the word of God makes us strong and spiritually tough. The word of God makes us wise and full of faith. The word of God is everything that we need. Come on, give God a big hand, a big shout in this place. He's here in this place. Give him some praise. Come on. I said, give God some praise in this place. Don't be a spectator. Be a participant and give God some praise right now. Come on. Amen. Amen. Has this been helpful for you this morning? Well, we're going to end today by giving you some real practical things on how to improve your memorizing. I don't, I don't have time to go through all of them in detail, and you don't have time to take all the notes on this one. So I'm just going to ask you to use your device now and take some pictures of every one of these outright, right, right now. You can look at them later. How to improve your memorizing. How do you become a better, better memorizer of God's word? Here, here, let me give you a few tips right now. Number one, pick a verse that speaks to you. Pick a verse that speaks to you. All right? Don't just find the shortest verse. Or the easiest verse to memorize, like, oh, 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 I like this one. And Jesus wept. All right? That's easy to memorize, but how much is that going to help you? I'm not really sure. Right? You want to find a verse that speaks to you. Amen? Number two, always say the verse reference. John 3, 16. That way you know where to find that verse in the Bible. Number three, read the verse aloud many times. You keep on repeating it and repeating it until it becomes second nature. Everyone say, read it aloud. I would say many times. Number four, write out the verse on a flashcard. Some people find writing it out helps them very much. Just for some reason, the process of writing it out helps them. For some of us, I find that speaking it out helps me. Some people, they find that putting actions to those words helps them. For example, my son Bradley, he likes to do this. He likes to put actions to the verses he memorized. So he'll say this. He'll go, he'll go, with God, all things are possible. Right? Yeah? Yeah, that's right. He does that. He's doing what he can to help him memorize God's word. If you believe that, say amen. Number five, carry some cards with you at all times for review. It could be in your phone, it could be paper cards. Number six, display the verse in a prominent place. You know, I I would put them in the shower. You could put them on your windshield. No, maybe not on their windshield. Maybe, you know, maybe somewhere else. But some, a place where you can see it, maybe on your desk, in front of your computer, maybe on your phone. Display it so you can see it often. Number seven, always memorize the verse word for word. Everyone say word for word. See, this is the thing. You don't want to kind of just, oh, give yourself a very low standard of memorizing. Oh, yeah, John 3.16, what does it say? Oh, yeah, it says, John 3.16, for God so loved the world that something, something, that, you know, you believe something, and then it's about heaven or something. John 3.16. That's not going to help you very much at all. How many you of know that God's word is precise? And the more you store up God's word in your heart precisely, the more you give God room to work God's word in your heart. If you believe that, say Amen. So say, everyone say word for word, word for word. Number eight, put the verse to music. For those of you who are musically inclined, some people find that if you can find a song that, has that verse in music that helps. Some people like to write their own songs. I don't have time right now to share some of these really funny songs that I've written based on God's word that help me memorize God's word. For example, there's, there's one uh, that uh, in First Thessalonians, it talks about avoiding sexual immorality. I have, a, I have a song where the words sexual immorality actually appear in the, in the, in the words. That, that, it, it, that's kind of weird, eh? But that, it, just, it just helped me to memorize God's, uh, God's word. Amen. Amen. Number nine, get a partner so that you can check each other. That's why we have small groups. And by the way, on music. You know, if you're not very musical, there are so many types of music you can get off Apple Music where people take verses, scripture passages and they turn it into these beautiful songs. Seed worship music is an amazing example. They do some beautiful jo- beautiful work with taking verses and making them very very memorizable in song. That's number 8, number 9, get a partner. Number 10, is practice reciting the verse often. Everyone say practice. You know, sometimes when Bradley and I are in a rush to get to school and we, we don't quite have time to do our game time at the table where we're eating breakfast, you know what we'll do for our game time is that uh, he'll be in the back seat, I'll be in the driver's seat, and we'll just practice memory verses that we've memorized together. Philippians 4, you know, you know, like, do not be anxious about anything, but in everything, with prayer and petition, with thanksgiving, present your rest to God. And then the peace of God, which transcends all understanding, will guard your hearts and your minds in Christ Jesus. We'll do that. We'll do that together. Those are verses that we memorize together. It's about practicing. Everyone say practice. Because when you practice it, you're deepening the, the roots of God's word into your heart. Has this been a helpful exercise for you today? Have you learned something today? Can we give God some praise and some glory today? Can you give him a shout as well? Can you do that right now? Praise God. Let's all stand up right now. We're going to respond to God. I'm going to invite the worship team to come up. I'm going to invite our prep team to come up as well. We're going to have something special for you in just a minute. Today we've learned that you can experience God's peace when you're battling troubling thoughts. You experience God's peace when you store up God's word in your heart. When you store up God's word in your heart, you become spiritually tough, mentally tough, emotionally tough. When you store up God's word, you have more hope for your life. You become more positive. You have a can-do spirit to face the challenges in your life. When you store up God's word in your heart, you have better insight into your situation. When you store up God's word in your heart, you hear more from the Holy Spirit. And if you're here today and you realize that you need to store up more of God's word in your heart, you're here today, you realize that you need to stop battling those troubling thoughts on your own, in your own power, by your own strength. But you need the Word of God to be stored up in you so that you can experience victory and His peace in your life. If that's you in this place and you realize you need that, or if you're just someone who's been troubled by some thoughts that you've been battling this past week, why don't you lift your hand on account count of three. We're going to pray with you and for you in this place. If you want to store up God's Word in your heart so you can battle troubling thoughts, why don't you raise up your hand on the count of one... Two, three. I want you to raise your hand here in this place right now. Just respond to God in this place. Just respond to God in this place. Just lift your hand to God right now. Lift your hand high to Heaven right now. Just start talking to God right now from your heart. Start praying to God in your own words. Say God, you are my hope, not that other thing. You are my hope, not that other person. You are my hope. And I wanna store your word in my heart. Just start talking to God right now. Start talking to God right now, don't worry about what your neighbor is doing, you just start talking to God right now. Just between you and God, just start talking to Him in your own words. Say, God, I want you to be my hope. I want to store up your word in my heart. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Father. Thank you, God. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. Praise you, God. Just start talking to God, church. Start talking to God in this place. Thank you, Father. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, God. Come as his confident children. Let's come to his throne of grace with confidence today. Start talking to him today. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Father. Thank you, God. Thank you, Father. Amen. Why don't you pray this prayer with me right now? Say, Heavenly Father, Father, Father thank, you thank you that you give, you give me victory over every troubling thought. Every troubling thought. The, blood of Jesus, the blood of Jesus, which you shed on the cross, which you shed on the cross covers, my life. covers my life. And by the power of your word, and of your word I have victory, I have victory over, over, sin, over sin, over death, over, death. over every thought over every that is not from you. Today, I thank you that when I store up your word in my heart, I become tough. When I store up your word in my heart, I become become confident. When When I store up your word in my heart, you give me hope. When I store up your word in my heart, no weapon forged against me will succeed because your word is stronger. Thank you, God. I welcome you today. Today. In Jesus' name I pray. Name I pray. Amen. Amen. Can we give God a big hand, a big shout in this place together right now? One last group we want to pray for are those of you who are here today and maybe you're here for the first time at church or maybe you've been here before but you've never received Jesus Christ as your Savior. And here today... I want to remind you of what we talked about earlier today when we said that if you want to receive or if you want to experience the peace of God, you first need to make peace with God. And because God loved us, he sent Jesus Christ for us to die on the cross for our sins so that we could be forgiven, so that we could be made new and become children of God. And the Bible says if you put your trust in Jesus, you will have a brand new life. And you will have the hope of eternal life. Your sins will be forgiven. And so if you want to receive Jesus Christ as your Savior today, why don't you pray this prayer with me right now. In fact, if you prayed this prayer before, why don't you pray this again in support of those who are praying for the first time today. And say, Lord Jesus, Lord Jesus thank, you thank you for your amazing love, the amazing love. How you died on the cross, on to, the pay cross sins, to pay for my sins. How you rose from the to grave to give me life. Today, Today, I open up my heart, open my heart and I receive you. I receive come me. into my life into into my and life. Be, my be my savior. I want a relationship with you. Relationship thank, you, with thank, you. Thank, thank you that by the blood of Jesus, Jesus I am forgiven. I am made, made righteous and I am made, whole, I'm made whole, in whole in the sight of God, sight of all God. because of what Jesus did. What Jesus and I thank you, and thank you that because of Jesus in my life, Jesus the Jesus best is yet to come. Best. In Jesus' name, I pray. Amen. Who give God a big hand, a big shout in this place together right now.